guys say mean words and ruin the endings of things. If you don't like that, you probably shouldn't listen. Have you seen his beard, though? It's amazing. Hello, and welcome to I Thought They Smelled Bad on the Outside, a podcast that might have over-imbibed to celebrate the end of Drunken Podcasting Month. Today, I have some people. Introduce yourselves. I don't want to. Too bad. You're going to go first. I'm Sam. I'm cool. Cooler than Scott, but not cooler than Jeff. <laughs> Damn right. I'm Jeff, also known as Deadman025, and I'm cooler than all these people here. And I'm Scott, and I will have to concede that Jeff is right, because he has way more YouTube friends than me. Yay! So that, is that how we uh, figure out who's cooler, by the amount of YouTube friends? Yes. Vegeta on Dragon Ball Bridge told us so. How special. <laughs> I don't have any YouTube friends, but I don't have a YouTube account, so I think that's why. So I'm, I'm perpetually lame. Make an account so I can get more subscribers, damn it. I don't have the 2% no. female watchers. I am the two percent. I told you this already. <laughs> I'm the two percent of women who go, ooh, shiny wings on the turn day. So there That's you go. That's probably the only, where I get, only place I get my two percent. Yep. Hey, it's pretty butterfly wings. Can't of death. With, not of death. Lauren's too cute for death. You stop that. Sam hasn't seen the second half of the show, so she doesn't know what the butterfly wings actually do. Yeah. They're, I they're just know... Wings. All I know is what I learned from Gundam Dynasty <laughs> Where she only plays Lauren. That's not true. I play Lauren and I play Puru and Puru too. That's it. So I think we Mostly know what she's going to be playing when Gundam Dynasty Warrior 3 comes out. Yeah. Well, I wanted to try a machine, but there was a good period of time where Scott would not let me play a machine because he wanted to be a machine. And then when I finally got to be a machine, I was like, eh, she's not that great. I'll go back to Puru. And you have to understand, like, I have the biggest crush on a machine. Like, the biggest crush. I think you and Solbro would have to fight about that one. Yeah. Solbro and I fight about a lot of things because we have the same fan club of characters. <laughs> we like all the same characters and things. Solbro Ryu versus Sam in a steel cage match. Refereed by the Defender of Destiny! That wasn't too bad, I like that. that <laughs> you know great. what? We should set that up. We'll all go to Vegas. <laughs> all I need to do is throw out my massive pile of nerds at him and see what yeah. happens. It's like, go nerds! <laughs> I will flash you all later. Massive pile of nerds, I like it. <laughs> nerds would do my bidding. I'm attractive. I can get Scott to do my bidding, so it kind of works. When was the last time I did something you said? Um, remember when I was like, Scott, my foot hurts, can you rub it? And you did. Scott? He knows. He is whipped. He just does not like that word. Okay, you are bull and chained. 
I don't think he would like that either. <laughs> no, I like it just because there's this huge bunch of people who were up in arms about a Gen Con t-shirt from four years ago. They made a t-shirt for the like Spouses of Gamers panelist track for Gen Con that was a ball and chain. And four years after they started doing this, someone decided, it's like, oh, this is anti-feminist, it's bad and terrible. And then there was this huge kerfuffle about feminism at Gen Con. Never mind the fact that the person who set up this track and designed the t-shirt was a woman. Weird. Yeah. It was weird. People get excited about strange things. Yep. Like all those nut jobs you think, there's a time traveler in the Charlie Chaplin movie. She's got a cell phone. It's like, isn't it more likely she has a giant hearing aid? <laughs> no, cell phone, time travel. If if I were a time traveler, why would I be in a Charlie Chap- Chaplin movie? Isn't there some rule is that the first person who invents time travel has to shoot Hitler? Yes. I'm pretty sure that's the rule. It's like, Hitler's the second casualty of time travel, the first being verb tenses. In any case, we're getting horribly off topic. Yes. Now, shall we get to the pick of the week now? Yes, pick of the week. Go. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, my pick of the week is they just came out with a volume two, and this may not be the manliest pick, but I don't care. It's a manga by a artist named Yumi Unita, and the title of the book is Bunny Drop. Now, the title is a little obscure, but essentially it's a story of a guy named Daikichi, 30-year-old single bachelor. He goes back to his grandfather's funeral, and he hasn't been back in over 10 years. And when he arrives there, he finds his grandfather had conceived a love child of the age of six. And during the funeral, they become friends, and they get along. And then after the funeral is over, the family starts discussing... You know, what they're going to do with the child, and they suggest they give it to a government organization. And he gets all pissed and decides, well, I'm going to take her home. I'll adopt her. And he quickly realizes that a 30-year-old bachelor single has absolutely no idea how to raise a 6-year-old girl. And it's a really kind of heartwarming and funny manga as he tries to figure out what the hell he's doing, and he very quickly realizes he doesn't know. Interesting. Does it have the silliness of Gatsuba? A little bit. It's it's kind of like a little bit more serious level of Yotsuba because, you know, there's always the, the big mystery of who's the girl's mother, where is she, what's he going to do, you know, what's Daikichi going to do, what's he going to do about his job, what's he going to do about daycare, you know, what's he going to do here and there. But there's, you know, still jokes here and there. You know, about the first time uh, the little girl's name is Rin, the first time Rin wets the bed, you know, Daikichi gets up and he goes, goes, oh my god, wait, this wasn't me. Looks over at Rin, Rin goes, I was sweating. And he goes, okay. <laughs> okay, Sam, your go. My pick of the week, well, it's really sort of my pick from last week, but I only read it this week, was I got a copy of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, which was printed by Marvel Comics, and it's written by um, Eric Sandauer. It's really, really, really good. It has, like, a beautiful sort of steampunk style of art. And it's it's totally just an adaptation of, you know, Frank Baum's Wizard of Oz, which is one of my all-time favorite, you know, series of books and one of my favorite movies of all time. So I, I collect anything that has to do with the Wizard of Oz, and I found this for pretty cheap. Um, and it's the whole 
it's the first two books of Oz kind of in one whole collection. So it's pretty cool. That's what I pick. Yeah, I, I got that collection when they came out with individual comic books, and I absolutely love the art style on those books. It's amazing. It's amazing to look at just because everybody has sort of very sketched looking, yeah. very uh, sketch style. The way I described it was wispy. Everything, you know, kind of yes. looks like it's been blown in the wind. Yes, yes, definitely. Like, I'm surprised that Marvel Comics would put something like this out, but then I learned that they're doing this for a lot of classic stories. Yeah. So I'm interested to see kind of what's next. I know they're doing another Oz one, but they haven't, I, don't, I haven't seen it anywhere, so I'm hoping uh, I can find it somewhere and pick it up at some point. All right, so my pick is Fallout New Vegas, because that's really all I do now. I just walk across the desert and shoot anything in my way. And then I take its stuff. Then you play the game. Yeah. Scott's life has pretty much been, you know, go to work, go to school, play Fallout, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. As, I, as I've stated before, he uh, broke with me for Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> I, I totally managed to find time to write and format something that will go up on RP Gamer probably tomorrow. As I said, he broke up with me for Fallout New Vegas. You were dumped for a video game. I was dumped for a video game. That's can hard. you believe it? Should I get yeah, you the Wow Widow t-shirt so you can join the freaking club? No. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of the Wow Widow. It's just, I'll, I'll just neglect you for other things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's so many jokes I could say right now, but I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> More than welcome to. No, no. I, I'm evil, but I'm not that evil. <laughs> oh, Even dear. I have my limits, dear. I don't. <laughs> I'm pretty bad when it comes to just saying what I think. Pick of the week. Cool beans. Cool Can beans. we talk about what we're actually, you know, supposed to be talking about? Because it's so awesome, and I love it, and it's amazing. All right. Flying, flying Nocturnal Mammal Man. Yay! Nocturnal Mammal Man. I hate you both. <laughs> it's not funny. Oh, I was holding on that corner. joke the whole podcast. I was like, I'm, I, I can't wait to say it. I can't wait to say it. Both of you need to go to your special corner. I have to separate you both. Yay! Special corner! That's where I'm a Viking! <laughs> Sleep is where you're a Viking. <laughs> Sleep! <laughs> Get it right. Well, I'm a ninja in my special corner, so... I'm wearing the t-shirt. Oh, you boys. What am I ever going to do with you? Well, you're going to, you know, make fun of him, and I'm going to stay here on the other side of the continent and laugh at you. I take back your cool status. You're no longer cool. I'm cooler yeah. than both of you. So Just you for that. My mom thinks I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> and you can check out the poll on. on the website at spopodcast.blogspot.com. Oh, dear. Is Sam cool? Yes or no? <laughs> hey you guys so much <laughs> also I, I want dinner I'm still laughing at you I want Scott Scott yes I'm going to punch you really hard in a minute Ladies and gentlemen, that has been the first and last time I used the soundboard on my uh, <laughs> Skype recording software.
That's right. But yes, uh, we are here to talk about the goddamn Batman. The Batman. I suppose we should start where this whole little saga of ours started with Batman Arkham Asylum, and then Sam got on a huge Batman kick, and now we have to record about it because she was whiny about it. I was not whiny. It's just the goddamn Batman is cooler than lots of other superheroes. Not the Tick! He's still not as cool as the Tick. Tick is still my favorite. But the goddamn Batman, he is number two on my list of favorite superheroes. So yes, we're talking about the goddamn Batman, and Scott can stop whining because it's not the Deadpool podcast. The Deadpool podcast will happen, and it'll be awesome. And we'll have Chimichangas. That's right. Because Chimichangas are delicious. So Batman Arkham Asylum. Gotta say, not what I was expecting. But that's because, you know, I grew up with Batman the Animated Series, and instead I got this video game that was nitty-gritty and so dark and just so wonderful. And I was so happy. It was the best. Go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say, when I first saw the art style, I was kind of hesitant because I don't like that, you know. Everything seems to be really thin and elongated and kind of creepy, and it really took some getting used to, but... This is a game where, you know, you could use stick figures if the gameplay is that good. <laughs> you can ignore some artistic license. I was going to say, Batman looked pretty damn buff in the game, if you ask me. He always looks buff. The only time he never looked buff was when Adam West played him. Yeah. Aw, uh, you guys leave Adam West alone. He's old and crotchety. I'm just saying, when he played Batman, he had a bit of a beer gut going. Oh, I know. Everyone had a gut on that show. It was sort of hilarious. Except for Eartha Kitt. She was the hot cat woman at the time. Julie Mar- Newmar was just as hot. Oh, there was equal hotness I'm... among the cat women of that series. I am not picky about Catwoman, truthfully, because I like both Julie Newmar and Eartha Kitt. I'm not actually picky between the two of them, but yeesh, Eartha Kitt. She, she was pretty hot stuff. All things considered. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. Getting, I'll, I'll throw something about getting back to Batman Arkham Asylum. Had the scariest moment in the history of video games in that game. There was a moment in the game where you're walking down a hallway and your game freezes. And the code gets all wrong. The sound goes wrong. You're like, oh my god, what's wrong with my system? What happened? The game freezes. And then all of a sudden your game restarts at the same, at the start of the game where you're taking Joker into the asylum, but Joker's driving the car, and Batman's tied up, and you're like, wait, what am I seeing here? You're very confused, you're very freaked out, you're scared out of your mind, you think your system's going dead. Then you start realizing, no, this is some kind of a gameplay element. Then you, the Joker shoots you, and it says, use the mo- you know, move the middle stick. What frigging middle stick? There is no middle stick. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And it's just utter madness and insanity, and then finally the game gets going again, and you realize, no, it's just Scarecrow fucking with you, and damn, did it work. And I am... I love those oh. moments where video games break the fourth wall and screw with your head, and boy, did that game do it. And I'm looking forward to Arkham City, because Scarecrow is going to be back for it. Yeah, apparently Croc didn't eat him all the way. No, no, like, at the teaser after the credits is him... Holding on to something floating in the Gotham River as he drifts toward the city. Right, well that changes every time. Every time you replay the game and end it, you'll see an arm come up and grab a bucket of Titan, but it can be Scarecrow, it can be Bane, it can be Croc, 
You know, I had Croc, actually. Like, yeah, Thanks I played God, three times over. Got each one. Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw all through. three for the sequel. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Especially, can you imagine Croc on that Titan crap? My God. Ooh, that could be Ooh, fun. As much as I dislike the way uh, Croc ended up playing out in the game, I do like oh. I would be excited to see what they do with him. The thing was, Scott, uh, Croc was such a gimmick for the game. In his one little part that he had, he was just there to serve his purpose. It was like Poison Ivy. Yeah. They didn't have any real importance, because it wasn't really about them. It was about Joker and Scarecrow in particular. And I have to say, while I love what they did with Scarecrow, I really, really, really hated doing his parts of the game. Just because there'd be moments where you might not do something, flinch the controller, and then he catches you. Yeah. And squishes you like a bug. And then there's other moments where you're moving like on a wall or something. I had numerous moments where there's this one ledge in the second one, and I couldn't get Batman to turn all the way quick enough. And then all of a sudden, like, he got stuck there. And guess who caught me? And yeah, it me like a bug. Yeah, the Scarecrow levels can be a little fidgety here and there, but uh, for the most part, I didn't have any problems with like, them. There is one exact point where I, where I will say the controls screwed up, and then everything else I will say is great. Yeah. And there's this one ledge in the last Scarecrow mission where the controls screw up. Yeah, I remember I was, like, screaming over it, and I just said, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this ledge? Please tell me that I'm do not doing something wrong. He goes, no, you're not. And I just, I couldn't believe it. I kept getting stuck at the same point. Yeah, I remember that ledge. you got to jump just the right way. If you jump a little off to the angle, yeah. or if you time it wrong, it's got to be absolutely perfect. But for the most part, you know, that's one glitch in an entire game. That ain't bad. Yeah, no, it's true. When... That's the only glitch you find? That's pretty awesome. I mean, compared yeah. to, you know, Fallout New Vegas, where monsters spawn in the dirt and people's heads pop off. They, they fixed the bit where game. people's heads pop off and spin around. Okay. The red well, Redemption, where you'll be riding along, then for no apparent reason, the entire town will start trying to kill you. Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> I really should pick I, up Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, I just downloaded the undead nightmare pack. I'm going to go kill some zombies later tonight. Zombie bears. Yep, you're pretty much fucked. There, there are Sasquatch in the game. Ooh. I am not kidding. You have, to go, you have to go on a Sasquatch hunting mission. I've seen there also is a unicorn. And if you catch the unicorn, you run along in the countryside, a rainbow follows the unicorn, and little butterflies come out. That's pretty fabulous. That's awesome. It's stupid, but awesome. Uh, I, I'm all for the stupid. Seriously. But, uh, I might have to play that one, too. Yeah, back to Arkham. Yes, Arkham, Arkham. Um, rambling. Uh, what else was I going to say? Uh, I'm really glad that they kept, I think, most of the uh, voice cast from Batman the Animated Series. I mean, one of those mysteries of all time is how did Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker, pull off one of the greatest Jokers of all time, but he did it. He's also that really good as Mozart. Like, you sort of have to find a bootleg taped version of the stage version of Amadeus to do it. But he's a really good Mozart. Really? And the thing is, the way Mozart laughs in Amadeus sort of became the Joker laugh later. It, you, you can definitely hear it. Luke Skywalker, Beethoven, and the Joker. Yep. Okay. It's pretty awesome. 
See, see, my whole favorite character, truthfully, was Har- has always been Harley Quinn. She's yeah. one of my absolute favorite characters, and she wasn't even part of the Batman canon until Paul Dini kind of said, you know what, I've got this really awesome character, and I'm going to use her. I love Arlene Sorkin. Her voice is just so awesome, and every time I walked around Arkham and all I hear is, Mr. J, I kind of got giggly every time. I, I really didn't like the nurse's outfit, admittedly, mostly because... I'm sorry, Har- Harley's not that skanky. <laughs> like, she's the more conservative of the women in the Batman universe. <laughs> so I won't go that com- far. Like, actually, going back. Go, go, Shall we talk about the time she hang out with Poison Ivy yeah, all those yeah, times? The, the oh, yeah, Harley and I- Ivy and Gotham Girls sort of subset no, stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Look, but look, by comparison to Catwoman and uh, Poison Ivy... Most of the time, yeah. I just, I'm not, I wasn't, I wasn't into it. And you know what? Like, as someone who fully admits to being one of those straight girls who loves to point out sexy women, I was not into that. Actually, <laughs> uh, one of my coworkers did manage to find a very nice balance between slutty Harley of Arkham Asylum and sort of Harlequin Modley of the animated series. Yay! And then she got really drunk on Thursday. She almost <laughs> fell out of the slutty motley, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I I loved Harley. She she was really fun to watch in that game, just because. Yeah, she's Joker's sort of lap dog. She, I mean, she thinks she's truly in love with them, but yeah, it's just fun to watch the idealism she has throughout the game because she honestly believes, hey, this is going to be the best party ever. Yeah, she, and Mr. J's going to love me for it. Yeah, she she is 100% convinced that Joker loves her. They're going to go on to be a happy family. Everything's going to be wonderful as soon as Batman's dead. And, you know, to the passive observer, you know, she, he, you know, he considers you nothing more than a lapdog at best. Pile of crap on his shoe at worst. Yep. It's sad, but, I mean, you know, that's her little delusion. Yeah. Well, if you ever watched the... Uh, if you ever watched, there's an animated series that never got aired on television just because it gets a little too dark. It shows how Harley Quinn became Harley Quinn, and you see ba- uh, Joker slowly drive her mad and turn her into the nut job that she became. Yeah, I've seen that. that Actually, that I think my, one of my favorite episodes of Batman the Animated Series is Harley's Day Off. Yeah, That's that was a fun just, just for the end, where you see Batman holding the dress for her, and he, all he can say is, you know... I had a bad had a day too. Once. Yeah. Then, then he, uh, then she grabs Batman, gets a big old kiss, and Robin looks over at Poison Ivy. He's like, "Hey, you got me." <laughs> oh, yep. dick. Never got any action. I, like, I, I did like most of the artistic interpretations in Arkham Asylum. I really did. As much as she creeped me out, I really got attached to the design for Poison Ivy. At first, I was kind of like, "Oh, that, that's kind of ugly," and I'm not into it. But then I got to the boss fight <laughs> with Poison Ivy, and I was kind of like, okay, yeah, this is kind of hot. A bit. Poison Ivy was never one of my favorites, but in the animated series, there's one episode I love, and it's the one about how they all almost got Batman, and her particular story was really good in that episode. That's all about Croc's story, because so, it has a giant penny. Yes, I know there's a giant penny. But... I threw a rock at him. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> I don't know, it was great. I, I like I like the designs a lot. I mean, yeah, they're dark and dreary, but 
it really kind of works for the atmosphere that Rocksteady kind of created for the game. Because Batman's always been a dark hero. Very seldom do you see the campy Batman in video games other than Brave and the Bold. Oh, please don't mention that. You know, it's all right if you're a fan of obscure C and D list DC characters. <laughs> I love yeah. the Blue Beetle, and I love that they picked Jaime Reyes for that show. Yeah, I, I just like to pretend the Batman, the Brave and the Bold, doesn't exist, because you tell me, what could I have watched? Uh, another season of Justice League or Batman, Brave and the Bold, and you pick Batman, Brave and the Bold? What the hell? Well, at least young. Well, at least it finished up before Young Justice started, so we could have Batman villains in it. But talking about sort of the gameplay of uh, Arkham Asylum... I spent a I spent a few years convinced that if you just sort of reskinned it, Assassin's Creed would have been the best Batman game ever. And then they turn around and sort of completely change my mind because they made this Metroidvania esque game and it's the best Batman game ever. And the sequel promises to be Escape from New York, but with Batman, and I'm super psyched for it. The gameplay really easily was the best part of the game. I mean, as someone who sucks at games with stealth missions, I had a blast doing them. I loved jumping onto the gargoyles and stringing up some bad guys (laughs) with my inverted takedown. That always gave me so much joy when I was playing the game. (laughs) It's like, ooh, you're walking under me. Inverted takedown. Oh, going to jump to the next one. Inverted takedown. Well, I, I really like the stealth gameplay, too, but uh, that's kind of one of those things like, yeah, they you can do a good stealth gameplay with Batman. Can you do a good fighting game with Batman? And they did a really good job with that, too. If you, you know, get a little practice in with their combat, you can really, you know, one after the other after the other. You can get a nice free flow going, and it's a yeah, it makes it simple, but it doesn't make it too simple that anyone could do it. As long if you get a little practice, you can do some really neat combos with that game. It is some very satisfying dude punching. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Even some of the boss fights, playing with the mechanics. Um, I love the dual titan battle because you can jump and ride on one of the titans and totally manipulate the titan to beat the living snot out of all the other little punny douchebags. Right. And that takes a little bit of skill because there's a few things you can actually do while he's on top of the titan. Plus, get the free odd hit in too. <laughs> like I thought that was really cool and. Oh my god, the boss fights in Arkham Asylum were absolutely amazing. And the only fight that really disappointed me in the game was the last one. Yeah, that was... The Joker fight was really lame. (laughs) I didn't have a big problem with the Joker fight. You're right, it didn't live up to all the others, but I didn't think it was a bad one. The Joker is sort of the definition of anti-climax boss. He's... Even in comics or the animated series, he has this big, elaborate plan, and he sets up these all these crazy things. And then Batman will, you know, sort of walk up, punch him a few times, and he's done. And I get that they're trying to make him intimidating for the last fight, but I would would have been more than happy if they'd taken a page from the Spider-Man 2 game with the final Mysterio battle, where it seems like it's going to be this big, <laughs> epic confrontation. Yeah. And then you punch him once, and it's over. Yeah. Joker is not some big, mean fighter. He sets up this huge, elaborate plan, and Batman takes it down, and then it's over. Yeah. I would have been perfectly happy with you know Joker putting the gun to his head and blowing his brains out, but then somehow I he agree. survived. Because he's the Joker. Mm-hmm. You know what? I 
completely agree with that. Like, they could have done what Joker does best. He's such a whistle villain. Everything with him is, isn't even really calculated. It's playful, right? And that boss fight kind of took the spirit out of Joker for me. Like, I didn't see the whimsical behavior. I didn't see the playfulness. I just saw this guy with giant spikes on his back that I could constantly pull down with my awesome bat claw and beat the living snot out of, which to me just was kind of boring to do compared to, like, I love doing the Harley fight. I like doing the Poison Ivy fight. As much as the Poison Ivy fight took a couple tries for me, once I figured out, you know, the timing of everything, I had a blast. And I thought it was, like, really cool to have the giant plant appear and look like it was omnoming everything. The, the boss fights in this game are secondary, and that's rare for a change. Usually the boss fights, you know, that's the pinnacle, but that's the actual true. gameplay is better than the boss fights in this game. The, the boss fights are nice, but if you tell me, what do you want to do? You want to play, you know, these five boss fights, or you want to go through the, you know, the the big brawls where you got to take on 20 guys and, you know, on, a, on electric yeah. floor or whatnot. I'll take the big brawls any day of the week. Oh, I, I agree. I definitely agree with that. But I'm just like I was. I was impressed in some ways with the sort of epicness that the boss fights entailed too. Just the Joker one. Just like I said, it was so lackluster compared to doing the electric floor boogaloo <laughs> against you know doing the poison ivy fight, which also had a bajillion dudes plus poison ivy. It wasn't. It just wasn't exciting for me in that regard. And that was like my only letdown in the game for. You know, everything was perfect, and then I did that one boss fight, and I was like, you know, that one fight alone is so disappointing and so anticlimactic compared to everything else I did in the game. From all the riddles I grabbed, you know, from all the fights I did, and all the content I found. And it's like, finishing the game with that made me kind of go, hmm, not so happy about that. You know, that, you know oh you my god. Big... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, I said, you know you got a good game when you have these you know, little Riddler clues all throughout the game. Tiny little things that on some games you wouldn't even care about, but those Riddler clues, you got a few of them, and you wanted to find every single one of them. You beat the game, ah, you're going back and you're finding every little clue you yep. missed. Part of it is I think they did a, did a really good job of having the Riddler tease, tease you. He was just such a little snob. You, want, you know he was a character, you're like, I still want to see this SOB arrested. <laughs> Also, I mean, my favorite set of the Riddler clues anyways was getting the videotapes. Every time you got the little, the reels and you could listen to them, um, I always found that really cool. And I always tried to get all of those because I wanted to hear everybody's story and why they were in Arkham and all that kind of stuff. Because that really interests me as compared to picking up the little trophies. The other thing I liked was the spirit of Arkham Chronicles. I thought those were really cool. Just to listen to, you know, Armadeus Arkham talking about the origins of the asylum and the people in it and kind of what his goals were for each patient that came in. I mean, he wasn't an evil man, but he had definitely had some very strange ideas of how he wanted all the people to behave and how he wanted to save all of them. Like he was Jesus Christ or something. Well, I like that. Like- well, if you find like after you find about the tenth or twelfth one, you start to find you you find out what happened. He tried to treat his uh, sister's killer, and that turned out badly. And then he realizes that he's better off just torturing the inmates, and it gets really fun. Yep. Right. You, you, you get a nice descent into madness kind of thing going with that, but 
that's another product that, like I said, this has a great cast of voice actors. There's not, you know, find me a bad voice actor in that game. It's hard to do. No, they're 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 all good. That's and they've the started to announce people for the second game, and I'm excited to hear David K be anyone. Right. <laughs> Shoot him down That's for his sex. Well, they said that. Uh, I think was it Mark Hamill said this is the last time he's going to do the Joker, and I was like, why? Just keep yep. doing the Joker forever. I'm happy. Although, I know. He's although 60. recently they did. He is 60 yeah, years I, old. I know, but recently I will give credit. They uh, recently. They came out with Batman Under the Red Hood, and there was a new Joker. It was uh, John DiMaggio who plays Bender on Futurama. And That's he did, who it was. Yep. Yeah, oh. He did a damn good Joker. I was very impressed. He did a, you know, it wasn't quite the same as Hamill's Joker, but it was still, you know, sinister and slimy, and you knew he was just evil, and it was a good Joker. DiMaggio's Joker reminds me a lot of Nicholson's Joker, I think. A little bit, yeah. But he's, you, you kind of get the sense of a... He's he's not quite as crazy as the other Joker. He's more laid back, but you know he flips that switch and there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hamill's Joker is very manic. Yeah, he's he's always moving. He's always wired. You never see a laid back Hamill Joker. I know. I I enjoyed Under the Red Hood. I actually didn't care for DiMaggio being Joker. But the job for me, Bender. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I took. A few times it's like John DiMaggio. Where have I heard that name before? And then they, in the extras they were talking John DiMaggio plays the, uh, Bender on Future. I'm like, really? That guy? Well, he <laughs> does Bender and he does Scruffy and he does Joker. Okay, yeah, he, he's a pile of minor people on Futurama too. Not quite Billy West level, where Billy West is half the cast of that show. Yeah, Billy West <laughs> is everybody on that show. You know, I think they could just fire everyone. <laughs> Billy West do everything, and no one would really notice. Yeah. Except I'm for Bender. Sure. Except, yeah, but he couldn't do a Bender and he couldn't do a Leela. Yeah. Unfortunately, now every time I hear Leela, I think, you know, going back to Peggy. married with children. Yeah. Hey, Al. Al, let's have sex. No peg. Duh. No peg. <laughs> do I have a flushing sound? I don't think I do. I don't. No. That's okay. I will get one for it's next so episode. <laughs> so... What are what some else people's are hopes? I was going to say, what are some people's hopes for Arkham City? Like, they've announced some of the characters. Not all of them. Well, the plot is Two-Faced doing crazy stuff to sort of... So, but will I get my Raz al Ghul? There's a Talia al Ghul, but where's my Raz al Well, Raz is dead, remember you when you were in I a, know, he's dead, but I still want zombie. Make him a zombie. zombie Make him yeah. come back. That's what I think of him anyway. I think he's a crypt keeper half the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I know he's dead, because, you know, I, I did get the little bio dealie in the game and everything, but it was just more of a whole... You'd be better if you came back as a zombie. Or Liam Neeson. And that, that would be all... That, that would be even better. <laughs> it's like, I'm Liam Neeson. I'd, I'd kind of like to see a, a penguin. I want to see what they do with a... Penguin in their Arkham Asylum game, just because animated series comics, Penguin never really gets a good role because there's not a whole lot you can do with a fat little guy runs around trying to get catch birds. But the Arkham Asylum games, you could do some interesting things with them. I don't know whether we're going to get to see them or not, but well, from from the sound of Arkham City, I think they could draw a lot out of uh, the comic Batman No Man's Land, where Penguin was kind of awesome, 
I think I'm the only person here who read No Man's Land. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm oblivious here. Help us out. Okay, so as part of some big event tie-in book, uh, Gotham got hit with a super plague and a series of earthquakes. And rather than send humanitarian aid to the Gotham City, the United States government just decides to blow up all the bridges into it, declare it sort of not part of the United States, and leave it to its own devices. Nice. At which point, they don't they don't transfer any of the prisoners out of Arkham, and they don't really give anyone any help getting out of the city. So you've got a lot of low-class individuals and a lot of criminals just running around the city for the better for over a year. Plus a so handful a of... Escape from L.A. Yeah, it, it was Escape from L.A. So you have all the entire city sort of div- divided up into sort of gang wars. You had Penguin's territory, you had Two-Face's territory, you had the few volunteers from the Gotham City Police Force's territory. And after... And Batman sort of trying to claim some territory and then deciding that getting involved in the gang war was stupid and trying to protect everyone again and going nuts doing it. And it was this... The comic was very sketchy, but it got a really good novelization afterward that sort of redeems a lot of the aspects of it. So I would say check out the novel version by an author who I can't remember. But it's... and. I think Arkham City sort of has that same sort of escape from New York vibe to it, where you could bring in ideas from that, that we've got this section of the city that's just overrun with crime, and we've just got mercenaries on the walls outside, and we'll have Two-Face trying to take over, and Penguin, and, you know, Scarecrow doing weird shit. No Man's Land was also what introduced Harley Quinn into the main comics continuity. I will say that, uh... I'm kind of worried about Arkham Asylum. If it does that Joker's territory and Batman's territory, I don't want it to turn into Grand Theft Auto. But I really want an open-world Batman game. The best thing about Arkham Asylum is that, you know, it's an open-world game, but and you feel like you're, you know, moving around, but you're really being guided as you go along. And if you get, you know, I don't want this to turn into Grand Theft Auto. I I like an open-world game, but I still like them, you know, Okay, this is where you go next. This is where you go next. You know, guiding you in the right direction. I actually like that Arkham Asylum. It, yeah, it's open world, but it it's has in that a very Metroid contained vibe. space. Right. It's like it's so, like that Metroid vibe. Yeah. You're going back to the same places over and over again, discovering new areas. Never feel like you can get entirely lost. Like you know, I watched Scott play Fallout, and yeah, the map in Fallout is huge. But I know for someone like me. Um, I know I would get lost very easily, and the moment I'd want to do, like, main quest stuff again, I know I would get really frustrated just because of that. At least in Fallout, there's fast travel, but still. I'm not really into having um, a lot of freedom. I know that sounds really awful, but as a gamer, I like having a little bit of linearity to things that I do. Like, I don't mind having go to side quest A if you want to do side quest A and it's like sweet I'm going to go do side quest A for a while like I don't mind that like that's how I'm approaching Mass Effect since it's my first time playing it picking and choosing things that I'm interested in doing and I'll go do it and then I'll go do some of the main quests and never feel like it's too vast for me right so, and I like but that's lost, me. so you know that's just me but that's just it you know I've played all the Yakuza games to date and Yakuza felt very similar to Arkham Asylum. 
yeah, the city of Camarocho is huge, but at the same time, it's still well contained enough that I always know where everything is. I know where I'm going. You know, all the different quest points are are mapped for you. I like that. I don't like feeling completely lost. That was something that made me really happy about Arkham Asylum. Like, I, I never felt like I got lost. And when I was going back to do side quests, I always remembered where I needed to go if I wanted to go back and do, like, a main quest thing. So. Yeah. It's a nice just, open world, but it doesn't overwhelm you. Yeah. I just find a lot of games, especially, like, the GTA games, I find them, for me personally, too overwhelming. And that's not how I like my RPGs either. It's like, you know what? If I play an RPG, I don't want to be lost. Because the moment I don't remember what I'm doing, I'm fucked. <laughs> so, Batman, Batman was good. It was actually pretty user-friendly also for someone who doesn't really play a lot of action games. Like, I, I sincerely don't play enough action games. And zero It's not that I don't games. like them. Although that was my first stealth game, yeah. And as much as, like, you know, I don't play those types of games... I didn't feel overwhelmed playing Batman Arkham Asylum. Everything felt very simple to figure out, simple to learn. I was happy with that, considering it was my first time playing an action game in over, I don't know, probably about six, seven years. I like my cutesy games, but Batman was he was pretty damn dark for me. That's all I can pretty much say there. Like Arkham Asylum definitely got two thumbs up out of me, and considering how glued I was to the TV when I was playing it, like, I really want to play it again, but I sort of let my copy away. <laughs> With Arkham Asylum aside, the game really did bring back my, what I thought was dead obsession with Batman. So much so that I went out, like, I'd gotten a copy of The Long Halloween for my birthday one year. You're welcome. And I read it, and I really, <laughs> thank you. I read it, and I really liked it. And... Unfortunately, because comic books are so expensive, I mean, I'm always a little bit weary about spending money on them. But the last couple times I've gone to these bookstores, I've gotten rid of enough books that I've been able to buy Batman comics. So I picked up a couple um, throughout the month of October. I picked up uh, Batman Year One, which I really liked, by, and it's written by Frank Miller. Before he went crazy. Um, before he went crazy, and it's all about, you know, that first year of being Batman. And, like, the whole relationship between Batman and Commissioner Gordon, which was really cool to see. And uh, I also read Batman the Haunted Night by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, which I like that team. I love the art style. I love, you know, the dialogue. It's really good. That one was also pretty cool. The only weird thing about it was seeing the Mad Hatter, which, you know, I always take as a comedic villain. But, you know, they gave him a very serious story arc for this. That so was kind of impressive, even though... Generally, I just picture him being a total goofball. So that was really cool. And, I mean, I've been researching more Batman comics that I'd be interested in getting just because there's obviously stuff in Batman canon that I guess as someone who didn't read the comic books wouldn't have known. Like, I feel like such a dork because I didn't know that Joker, you know, shot Barbara Gordon and paralyzed her until I started playing Batman Arkham Asylum. I'm like, Scott, why is Barbara in a wheelchair? <laughs> and he goes... You didn't know? And I was like, know what? Only to find out that in canon, she's now in a wheelchair and she's the Oracle. So there's stuff like that that I feel like I've missed out on because, you know, I didn't read the comics. So I want to go back. I want to read a couple more. There's a few more I'm interested in, such as like Hush, 
Um, I want to read all the Harley Quinn ones because Harley's my favorite and she's awesome. Don't read Countdown. It... Okay. Countdown and, has Harley, uh, but it's still terrible. Okay. My true love affair is Paul Dini. Anything Paul Dini writes, I'm completely down with it. I've, I've loved everything the man has done, like, in terms of television. So I know there's a few that he's written that I definitely would like to check out. I you mean, he also wrote Arkham Asylum, the game. So, sorry, what, Scott? He wrote, he was a writer on Ewoks. I liked Ewoks. The cartoon? Really? I liked it as a kid. You're lying. No I one liked Ewoks. I can see our relationship. that with a response. <laughs> this probably means our relationship is going to be over after this podcast. Oh, well. Nice knowing you, Scott. <laughs> the Batman comics, I mean, as someone who's never really read comics, I'm really happy that Arkham Asylum made me interested in comic books because I feel like there's a small universe I've been missing out on. And like I said, because I'm not paying full price for most of the comics I buy, I feel even better about it in a weird way. It's like, yay, I'm not spending $30 on a comic book. I only spent 12 <laughs> But yeah, the, every time I go to a used bookstore now, I'm just going to try to pick up some more Batman comics and see if I can get them on the cheap. But there's definitely a lot I'm going to check out as I get the time to do so. So, you know, there's my revelation right there. It's pretty awesome. I wonder, I wonder how much, uh, how many viewers or readers, rather, DC gained because of Arkham Asylum. Because I'm sure that really brought a bunch of people back into the Batman comics. I'm sure there's a bunch of I people who probably, probably pick up picked up Grant Morrison's Arkham Asylum, the comic, just because of the game. I'd like to read that one at some point. Like, I mean, I'm not an avid reader of comics. When I read a comic book, it's usually because either Scott recommended it to me, or, you know, it's something very unusual. Because I'm, I'm, I'm always looking for unique things. That's why I picked up that Wizard of Oz comic. The art style just really sort of captured me, and I said, you know what, i got to read this. i got to see what, what they're trying to do with this. And it's the same with Batman. With art, with this particular kind of art style, that's generally what's going to draw me into the comic. There are some cases, you know, where I'm sure when you read, like, a comic or a manga, the art style may be really, really crappy, but the story's so good that you can kind of ignore that part. In American comics, I find it's a little bit harder to do. And with Batman, I mean, I'm really picky about how Batman looks because I grew up watching animated series which was my favorite cartoon growing up. That's my expectation I guess that I have. Bar Batman Arkham Asylum, good on you. Let's talk about an animated series because I mean that's a, where a lot of us I think have a lot to say. Oh my god it was the greatest cartoon ever made and I want to have Paul Dini's babies even though I know he's married. So seriously. <laughs> no it's totally not creepy. No, Batman, I love Batman the Animated Series. I always liked the way it looked. It was a show that I actually watched with my mom, no less, because my mom liked it just as much as I did. I like the fact that Paul Dini's interpretations of the characters gave them this very unique and almost very human-like quality. Like, they didn't seem one-dimensional. Like, of all things, for example, he gave Mr. Freeze plot. Mm-hmm. Mr. Freeze was a joke, and instead you get this really beautiful episode about, you know, how he became who he is and kind of what he was all doing it for. And I, I loved – that's one of my favorite episodes of the series, just because 
that's a character you don't expect to get a very human plot. And it's also same with, with Two-Face. I love how Two-Face became Two-Face. And I love the way that Paul Dini did it. I also, you know, spent a good portion of my girlhood with my best friend yelling out, Harvey, every time we watched it. <laughs> because that's what sometimes we would do. She'd pull out her DVDs and we'd watch for about seven or eight hours, you know, lots of Batman. And we'd talk about it for hours on end because Paul Dini just did something really magical that's really hard to describe without gushing like a fangirl, which I'm already doing, so it doesn't matter. But he made everything just work so perfectly. And it's hard to say that there's bad episodes in Batman, the animated series, because, like, off the top of my head, I'm having a hard time coming up with them. Truthfully. I mean, do you guys have any ideas of bad Batman, the animated series episodes? The only one that was a little too goofy for me was Joker's Millions, where Joker becomes a millionaire because a mobster supposedly left him $10 million, and he really only left him a million dollars, which he blew through in like a weekend. That was It was kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of a joke episode, but it just kind of was a little too campy for me. But that that's pretty even that one I'm willing to forgive. It wasn't a bad episode. It just wasn't my favorite. Yeah. I can't name a bad episode of that show or any of the follow-ups in New Animated Series or Justice League or, or Batman Beyond. Dini and Bruce Tim managed to assemble a crew of incredibly talented people who never really turned out anything you could say wasn't at least good. The best way I can describe Batman the Animated Series is... We're all fans here of anime, Japanese animation. Mm -hmm. Batman the Animated Series is the only thing to come close to what they kind of have in Japan, where anime is generally accepted medium for all ages. Batman is one of those very rare things of an American cartoon that could appeal to all ages. And you don't see that very, very often at all here. They did run the first season of Batman the Animated Series on Fox Friday night. Like before, right. like before the it Saturday morning, time. and then it was primetime Friday the night before. Right, didn't last long. Well, that but was hey. Friday night on Fox, so nothing right. lasts there. True, but it's a cartoon, it wasn't a comedy, and it was on in primetime. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Will we ever see it again? No. Not unless Adult Swim counts. Right. But mm. seriously, my f main reason for loving animated series really does stem from Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn just... I love her, and I, I think it's more that I... You know, when I was younger, I just thought, oh, wow, she's pretty cool. Like, you know, she's a girl who's following the Joker. And I didn't really think anything of it about her being a lab dog. It wasn't until I got, obviously, a lot older that I actually kind of felt sorry for her. <laughs> and that I continued to feel sorry for her, because even though there was episodes that were a little bit more lighthearted, she's pretty tragic. Yeah. But she doesn't see any tragedy whatsoever. Like, I love her debut episode. I think it's one of the best in the first season, by far. And it's just because there's a lot of humor to her character, and the humor is just, especially watching it now, it's it's pretty creepy. Right. Just well, the that, manipulation. That's the great thing about the show. Like I was saying, it works on different levels. There's that one infamous episode where you know, the lights go out, Harley Quinn you know, climbs out of the giant baked apple pie and she's covered in icing and she goes, hey, Mr. J, you want a taste of my pie? 
that works on multiple levels. Oh yeah, adults yeah. and and kids, just kids going. I I get it. And adults, no, you don't. <laughs> well, I love that the writers were creative enough to, whenever the censors said no, you can't show this, they would turn around and do something even creepier and more terrible. Yeah. Like the, yeah. the Robin origin episode, Robin's Reckoning, I will cite that as being amazing. The censors say, oh, you can't show uh, Robin's parents hitting the ground. So they decide to instead stick on little Dick's face as he watches his whole world crumble yeah. and then cut yeah. back and to the empty trapeze bars going back and forth. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, that was heartbreaking. First than a splat on the ground. I, yeah, yep. a splat on the ground I would have nightmares over for two days and get over. I still get chills over little Dickie's face. The show is like an onion. There's just way too many layers. And how they got around some of the things that they did, like that particular episode, it's kind of impressive what they were working with, I gotta say. There was one particular episode, I always remember it, because it had a villain you never saw again. There was a episode where this guy, I don't even remember his name, uh, captured you know little orphan kids and some kids not orphans and enslaved them in the sewers. Oh yeah. And you know, and the kids weren't allowed to talk and they were eating you know scraps and they were treated oh. like dirt. And that was such a dark and evil episode. And I always remember the line from Batman. And he, you know, he grabbed the guy and he says, "I don't say I don't do th- certain things." I don't, I'm not the jury or the executioner, but this time I am sorely tempted. And you're like, you realize, you know, this is, you know, the line you do not cross with Batman or even in cartoons. You don't torture children. I mean, that was really, really dark for its time. Even now it's pretty dark. Like there's this great metaphor for how dark the Batman the MA series was, is the backgrounds were drawn on black paper. And yeah. any color that was there, they had to be painted in. There's no such thing as a sunny day in Gotham City. <laughs> no. I'm trying to think what else was good. I um, really loved all the Scarecrow episodes in Batman the Animated Series. He's actually one of my favorite villains, even growing up, because I always found him just really terrifying. When I was little, he kind of used to give me nightmares, just because he just he looked so creepy. And then when I saw Nolan's version, I kind of i remember shuddering just because it was like oh god my childhood's coming back i'm gonna cry (laughs) he's somebody who doesn't want to be saved in any way every time he gets sent back to arkham nothing happens he's he's still perfecting you know his fear gas he's he wants to torture people because you know that's the only way he feels alive yeah and in his in his own mind that's the creepy thing in his own mind he thinks he's doing research for the good you know by doing this research on fear, I'm learning more about the psyche. And oh, yeah. His own little twisted world, he thinks he's doing good. Scarecrow is the only, when they did the redesign for the, uh, I forget, was it Switch to w, to uh, WB yeah. or Vice versa? like the new animated yeah. series redesign. Right, when they re- did the redesign, for the most part, I didn't like any of the redesigns they did, except for Scarecrow. Scarecrow kind of looked into this cartoonish Scarecrow thing with the news. to a hanged corpse with with a noose around his neck, I'm like, yeah, wow. I will defend. <laughs> just took- I will defend the new animated series redesign of most things, except for Baby Doll, really. Baby Doll was creepy, and I didn't like the new Joker. I preferred the old Joker. Mm. The Joker with the eyeballs sunken into his head was kind of weird. 
Plus, you know, you had the you already had the Joker perfect in the first episode. Why fix what isn't broken? You know, I'm going through the Wikipedia list of episodes, and I forgot how many episodes had like team ups. <laughs> yeah, like I think I just watched the the first season over and over again. Well, it's because I was the only one Ashley and I had, mm-hmm. which it's all standalones. Actually, that brings up almost got him, which. You know, Scott and I, we like to rewatch that one every so often just because it's such a good episode to have these little vignettes of how each Batman villain supposedly almost had him and how they keep trying to one-up each other because they think that their plan was far more brilliant. But the reality is no one still got him. It's still funny just to watch them bicker back and forth about, you know, how they almost had him, like the giant penny. Which, Croc should not have been proud of that one. It's a really <laughs> big rock. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I threw a rock at him. It it's was like, a big good rock. For you. <laughs> it's like, good for you. <laughs> this is one of those occasions where uh, uh, Skype is a hindrance. I wish I could show you. I actually have an art book from the original Batman the Animated Series they made. And there is a drawing by... I think it was Paul Dini. I forget who drew it, but it is the original version of Harley Quinn. You know, when they first were coming up with the character, he drew an early version of Harley Quinn, and it is absolutely ridiculous looking. She has big, poofy hair. She has, you know, these giant secretary sunglasses on. She looks like, you know, it, it is absolutely ridiculous. And I remember the cap, and in the caption it says, it says, when I first showed this off, Everyone stared at me as if I was making a joke. And then I, they realized I wasn't. They all grabbed it and kept it for blackmail material. See, this, that is why it is now in this book. That would have been Bruce Tim who did character, who did character designs for the shows. Yeah, Bruce Tim, and he drew that early design of Harley Quinn, and it is the dumbest looking thing. And you know, he said, looking back on it now, I don't know what I was smoking to have drawn this, but. It was kept for blackmail material, and that's how it made it in this book. What else are some good episodes? Any villain origin episodes is great, are just great. Like, um, if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Or Heart of Ice, or... Um... Yeah, all the Mr. Freeze episodes were great. Yeah. I, I, They did him so well. You know, he's the villain you want, you don't hate, you know? You feel sorry for him, despite the fact that he's a villain. And I love when they did Batman Beyond. They brought him back. If oh, you're going to bring back that would that would have been the one to bring villain. back. Right. If you're going to bring back one villain from the original Rogues Gallery, it's got to be Mister Freeze. That was such a good episode of Batman Beyond, too. Like there are some good episodes of Batman Beyond, but that is still like top five sort of stuff. One of the only regrets I have is they actually did that. Uh, have you seen the epilogue episode of Justice League? I love epilogue. Yeah, it ties everything up, and it was you know going to be the perfect bow to put at the end of the series to go all the way back to the original Batman, connects everything, and then they had that extra season, which you know I'm not complaining about, but it was like, man, that was perfect. That was the perfect ending. That was absolutely perfect. So why couldn't it have been ended like that? But well, we got another season. Justice so I can't League complain. was always almost canceled, so you can't right, blame them for season. saying, okay, we're probably done for reals. Let's tie and I. We'll tie it all together. Right, but that episode, you know, it tied Batman to the Batman Beyond, to Justice League, and everything in between. Tied up every loose end, you know, made a couple new loose ends and tied them up. It was a, that was a brilliant episode. Yeah, and 
Justice League was great, and I gotta make Sam watch all of that because she just does not understand how awesome that show was. Especially after they went unlimited and you had all these B-list DC characters sort of getting to shine. I like Justice League Unlimited, but I like the original better. The uh, although the final battle with uh, Dark Side, Brainiac, and Unlimited with you know Lex Brainiac combo, yeah. when uh, Flash takes the kid gloves off, that may be my favorite scene in the whole damn series. That was dang awesome. But that was not the last episode. That was the episode. That was the two-parter that led into yeah. epilogue. The last episode right, is uh, Dark Side coming back, and Superman right. doing. The world of cardboard speech, right, which, which was kind of fun. But now the Lex Brainiac fight with Flash at the end might might be my all time favorite scene in that series. Where well, it, it was nice Flash. for them to throw Thrash, uh, Flash that bone after sort of ignoring him for a whole season. Yeah, they kind of made him the butt of all the jokes, the comedy relief, and he never got a fair shake. But right at the end, there he realized, now if Flash wasn't such a, you know a jokester. He could do some serious damage. And they kind of go back to that in, in uh, Justice League Unlimited when Lex and Flash switch bodies. They do they do the mind swap, which is a uh, overly used plot gimmick, but they used it well. And you can see, you know, if you give Lex Luthor those kind of powers, he can be pretty dangerous himself. And, and let's not forget Flash and Lex's body. It's like, are you, aren't you going to wash your hands? No. Because I'm evil. <laughs> well, I love the fact that they didn't change voice actors. The guy who did Lex kept on doing Lex. He just did it as if he was Flash, and he does it so perfectly. Well, the genius thing is that Michael Rosenbaum was the voice of the Flash while he was also playing live-action Lex Luthor on Smallville. So that was sort of the genius of it. It's very strange yet awesome. It was strange and awesome. So here's something that makes me feel really dumb. I didn't know that Richard Molly, who plays the bailiff on Night Court, was the voice of Two-Face. Yeah, he also did Croc. I know, I didn't know he did either one of them. <laughs> I yeah. used to love Night Court, I thought it was funny. Well, that that was the thing about sort of all the, the, the DC animated universe shows, is when they went looking for new voice actors, they were never looking for sort of guys with a million voices, they were looking for guys with one voice to do sort of one character and be very distinctive at it. Yeah, and they did a damn good job of it. Every, especially even when they got to Unlimited, they didn't really, you know, they had all these extra characters, but they still, you know, got the right voice for the right character. I mean, I've, uh, Wonder Woman never got a good shot, and every time, anytime she shows up in an animated show or even live action, they just never, you know, do a very good job with her. But the well, voice actor for Wonder Woman knocked it out of the park. We'll see what happens with the new Wonder Woman TV series that's in the works. That will either be awesome or complete disaster. I'm betting on complete disaster, but... Probably not going to last too long. I remember they had a Flash TV series, and that kind of was a disaster. Yeah. The thing is, now that sort of... Like, we've had heroes and a few imitators come up, and it's almost like American TV's ready for superhero shows again. And everyone's trying to do TV show, sort of getting TV shows started, and I think it's just going to go badly. Right. They're, well, let's put it this way. They're already talking about doing some Marvel versions. You know, somebody said they were doing thinking about doing another Hulk. I was like, I don't know if do another Hulk. The one that sounded interesting, I don't know if they could do it on, on a television show, but they said they were thinking about doing a Punisher. A Punisher would lead well to a 
nice weekly episodic show. Yeah, Punisher you could do on a TV budget, because it's really just sort of... You, you can take a lot of the things you do on a cop show and just make it the Punisher. Yeah, right. Well, And the weird thing about the Punisher is that the Punisher is an action movie in comic book form, so whenever you make a movie of it... It just goes weird. It's like Street Fighter the movie the game. It doesn't work anymore. Right, you you've you've cycled things too over too many times. Everything's starting to get blurry. Yeah. As for the two newer Batman animated attempts, the Batman is just terrible. Like at first I thought it was because it's not as good as the animated series and I hate it because it can't reach that bar. But looking back over it, it really is that bad. Yeah, like, everyone is suddenly... They took all the psychology out of the show and just made it about since the action. It, since when is Joker a Rastafarian? What the yeah, bleep is a that? A Rastafarian who's a master of some bizarre combination of capoeira and monkey kung fu. Like, yeah. they made Joker a physical threat because all they know how to do is steal scenes from Samurai Jack for action sequences... Right. And the action but. sequences in the Batman are good. I won't knock that. But that's all they have. Well, I tried to like it. I mean, I actually, aside from the Joker, I kind of liked the art design they had for it. I liked the new Bruce Wayne. I liked the way Batman looked. I tried to watch a couple episodes. I'm like, did they pay a few chimpanzees with you know, typewriters to write these episodes? What is this? I don't know. I've seen this all before. All you're doing is taking the same plots from other shows and doing it over again. And then there was Brave and the Bold. Yeah. And, you know, I'm cool with some Silver Age goofiness every now and again. And I like how they're deliberately showcasing B, C, and D listers of the DC universe. I will give that show a bigger pass than it probably should get. Yes, you will. But it's a lot of fun, and I like the soundtrack. And if you like seeing... Out-of-the-way DC characters get a time to shine. Like, come on. Blue freaking Beetle. I don't mind a little goofiness here and there. There was that one episode of uh, Batman the Animated Series where they kind of did that, you know, goofiness where they had the three kids telling different stories of Batman. And, you know, they, they kind of did a Brave and the Bold type episode that early on. Yeah. It's like, that's a little bit of goofiness here and there. Batman Brave and the Bold is nonstop goofiness. And you can handle it for an episode or two, but after three or four, you're just flat out sick of it. See, we're missing the other greatest Batman series ever that should be panned, which is the one from the 60s. Come on, we got to talk about that, too, which is my other favorite Batman series. Well, some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know. I always liked the 60s Batman. I mean... You know, you guys were talking about how Brave and the Bold is kind of cheesy and silly, but, I mean, that was the original silly Batman. Everything about it was kitschy and silly and cheesy. I mean, it was like my Sunday afternoon dinner ritual with my mom was to eat dinner and watch cheesy Batman. This was the staple for cheese. And the only episode of Brave and the Bold that I was forced to watch reminded me completely of 60s Batman. (laughs) Just, it was all cheesy and weird. (laughs) Yeah, but there's a reason that the the third Batman movie, or was the fourth Batman movie? Both, really. Batman and Robin went went back to that cheesiness. And there's a reason that was a complete and utter flop. You know, there's <laughs> only so much cheesiness you can take. I know, but I do like my cheese. 
Mostly because I thought some of the villains in the 60s one was just, they were hilarious. Like, King Tut was so pointless, but so funny. Because all of his episodes had giant slave girls everywhere, and ooh, pretty women, and ooh, gold statues, and they breathe fire. Yeah, most people do. I'm I'm all for slave girls, but still, there's only so much goofiness one guy can take. I love Adam West. I met him, okay? And he was... I like Adam West. I love him on Family Guy. He's hilarious. The thing about Adam West was I love when he shows up in Toronto because he's always a little weirded out when a bunch of 20-year-olds come for his autograph for being Batman. And everyone has to explain to him. It's like, no, about 10 years ago, he was the after part of the after-school block on Canadian television. So you have these legion of 20-year-old kids who just love him as Batman for some reason. I, I will give credit Me. to Adam West. I will give credit to Adam West when they used him as the Grey Ghost in the original series. Oh, that was a great homage. That, that, that worked really well. I was like, they said they're going to have Adam West in a Batman cartoon. I'm like, oh, how are they going to do this? This is going to be corny. But no, they did a very good job of working him in. Well, they, they brought him back as Mayor of Gotham in The Batman, but he was just there to sort of say things like, oh, you'll never get away with this, and be kidnapped all the time. Yeah, yeah whenever I see Adam West as, ba- as a mayor, it's mayor of Quahog. Yeah. Well, I sound like I'm on old-time radio? <laughs> so should we I talk said, about like... Batman on film? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. All right. I'll do the quick version. Batman 1, good. Batman 2, okay. Batman 3, passable. Batman 4, holy crap, did that suck. Yeah. And the only thing that saved Batman 3 from going down the toilet was Jim Carrey's Riddler, which was, you know, goofy and funny enough that you enjoyed it, but not over the top. Yeah. I I liked Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. Despite being a I total did. betrayal of Two-Face. Yes. Despite being a total betrayal, I liked the fact that he, he had the uh, very Jersey sneer and, like, again, it was goofy. He, and he was goofy. He glowed in the dark. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> so awesome. I love it. Two-Face is not a light bright. In that movie, he totally was, because everything was about light bright in that movie. And things that glow. Now, someone needs to take away the black light of that director. He just over, you know, I don't mind black light every now and then, but good lord. Well, I, I so, think the thing about Batman Forever is that everything you see in it that you could sort of maybe tolerate just got incredibly worse in Batman and Robin. Right. You could, you kind of, in Batman Forever, you were just, you just decided, okay, I'll let that slide. I'll let that slide. There wasn't so much that it overwhelmed it. Whereas Batman Robin was nothing but, you know, one giant, it almost looked like a giant episode for, or a giant commercial for toys. It was nonstop. Buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. Yeah. Well, there was a fair bit of studio pressure from, uh, who even was it? Warner, was it still Warner Brothers then? Yeah, probably Warner Brothers to really push the merchandising because they sort of, like, they tried to merchandise the first two movies with Tim Burton. And it's very hard to sell a movie where people are bleeding out the mouth and terrible things happen and there's these psychotic clowns to, you know, eight-year-olds and their parents. Right. Jack and Nicholson does not make a good Happy Meal toy. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Wait till they get a load of me. 
Not to mention, he wouldn't want to be a Happy Meal toy because they would never get his looks right, and he'd be very upset about it. And then we have Chris Nolan, and everyone loves Chris Nolan, but I will I will be the guy who complains about it. Chris Nolan's Batman is too down-to-earth and realistic, and for that, he has sort of cut himself off of a great deal of the better aspects of the mythos. Like, Nolan has admitted he really can't do Penguin, or the Riddler, or definitely not Killer Croc, Croc or Clayface. And at this point, we're getting on to the third movie, and he, you, you can see that he's painted himself into the corner with what he can do with Batman. As good as his characters and his interpretation of everything is, the fact that Gotham City is not really Gotham City, it's just Chicago with some signs rearranged, there's there's not a lot of places you can go with that. No, I gotta agree a little bit myself, but I'll let you go first, Jeff. Well, I was gonna say, in defense of Nolan... You think he's painted himself in New Corner, and I thought the same thing when they said, "Okay, Joker is next for the." You, know, you obviously knew it was Joker was going to be next for the uh, second movie because of the you know, teaser at the end. I'm like, I don't know how they're going to do Joker in this uber realistic. I mean, how are they going to pull this off? You can't have a you know the clown prince of crime, and then they, I heard who they were going to have play him, and I was like, oh, he can't. You may do think that. Nolan's painted himself into a corner, but, but damned if I get. I thought he did my first shot, movie, and he proved me wrong. He so pulled I'm off very a great joke. He can pull off with the third just one. Fine, I can. And Two Face, same deal. You could work that in just fine. I don't see why you couldn't do a, a Penguin, or you couldn't do a maybe not Clayface as he's written in the comics, but you could rearrange some things. Killer Croc, I don't see a problem there. Bane, I don't see a problem. Catwoman, I mean. The Batman, you know, rogues gallery, for the most part, isn't too endrenched in, you know, sci-fi-ness, for the most part. There's a few oddballs here and there, but you may think Nolan's painted himself into a corner, but I thought he did in the first movie, and he proved me wrong, so I'm very interested to see what he can pull off with the third one. See, I'm not sure how I feel with Chris Nolan, because, like, I, I love both movies he did. But even so, um, I found that... When I think about some of the other uh, possibilities for villains, I get kind of nervous. And I don't know. It... We were nervous when we heard Joker. I mean, like, it's like, I don't know how we're going to see Joker. I don't know if this is going to work. Hey. No, I know. I know. And But that's the thing. Like, when you got some of the really campy villains, like, I mean, personally, how many people really want to see Penguin in a movie? I think, I mean, it could be fun, but... Penguin has always been a very cheesy villain. But the Riddler, Riddler is one I've always kind of thought, you know, I think Nolan could do if, if he said that he can't. I mean, too bad for him. But you could make Riddler creepy and was... dark and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's possible. The problem is, is the way Nolan seems to, the lens through which Nolan views the rogues gallery is that Riddler would just come out as feeling the Joker part two. And he, I wouldn't see a problem with that. I always thought if they were going to do Riddler, they'd kind of make him kind of like Jigsaw from the Saw movies. You know, Riddle, get your way out of this, you know, death trap. Mm-hmm. Basically, with Nolan, on based on what he did in the second movie, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. With the Nolan movies, I'm sure he could take any character and reinterpret it to this sort of setting that he's created. But in a lot of ways, I'm sort of sad that we won't see Liam Neeson back, because that's... Ray Zal Ghoul's thing is that he doesn't stay dead. Yeah. And all we know so far is that we have the 
cast of one new person in addition to the recurring ensemble who I don't even know what he could play. He's the guy who played Shinzon in Star Trek Nemesis, which is probably not the greatest vote of confidence, but with Nolan directing, I'm sure he could coax a brilliant performance out of a cantaloupe. And that he's casting about for a new female lead. And everyone's going like, ooh, ooh, Catwoman, and I'm like... Yeah. That's only wanna... because you think of Catwoman versus a the only female Batman villain. And I really sort of want to see Talia Al Ghul come back and sort of tie the first and the third movies together. Yeah, I, would, really. I wouldn't mind seeing a Poison Ivy just because I want to see what Nolan would do with it. I mean, oh, she'd the, be awesome. Just because just I just can imagine Poison Ivy with Christopher Nolan, just, just let him run wild and you're sure something interesting is going to come out of it. But uh, the only reason I want it to be Catwoman is just so I can continually make the joke of, you know, Catwoman and the Dark Knight Rising. That'll lead to all sorts of double entendres. Ew. Oh, come on. You weren't thinking it. Shut up. Ew. God. Ew. Okay, I'm done whining. No, I am totally down for Chris Nolan doing Catwoman. And not having sex with her. But the whole premise of him doing Catwoman. Poison Ivy would be really cool, I think. She's pretty dark. You could probably do something fun with her. You know, besides having sex with her. I don't know. I keep walking like, into that. A, a sort of realistic Poison Ivy is just an eco-terrorist. And in the way Nolan sort of structured these movies, where it's just about Batman dealing with the worst, most psychopathic individuals possible, here we have someone who's just like green po- Greenpeace with flamethrowers and that's not especially interesting to me. I don't know. I think there's potential. I mean, it doesn't have to just be eco-terrorist. I mean, you have to remember, Poison Ivy always seems to work best when she's partnered with another character. And I think that would be the best way to make it work. Because Poison Ivy, standalone, you're right, on her own, she's not that interesting. But when she's partnered with another character, a lot of insanity can ensue there. I mean, why do you think, you know, they always had those episodes with Harley and Ivy? It works. Yeah. They work as a pair. And I think, you know, in all things considered, every Batman movie always has at least two or three villains. Yeah. Every... I have nothing against having Ivy in a movie. Besides, I, I mean, I missed out on the Catwoman conversation briefly, and I just wanted to, you know, throw it out there. Scott, I would totally be down with the idea of Talia al Ghul, but you have to remember that there's also the stupid people in their fandom. You have to remember that there's so many people who pair Batman and Catwoman together like a lot so it's up to Nolan to pick which side he'd rather work with in that case because he could either have the whole Catwoman thing which is kind of hot I guess or you could have Talia al Ghul who's really hot I don't know like it's it, there's potential to work with in the case of female leads um I have a sinking feeling it probably will be Catwoman as much as, like, you know, it'd be awesome to have Talia al Ghul, considering we had Raz al Ghul, but, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't know where it go, it's going to go. See, I... I'd love to see Ivy, though. I'd be, willing to, I'd be willing to believe in Catwoman almost immediately if it was Sony or Warner... Uh, Sony running, calling the shots. But because it's Warner Brothers, and they seem more than happy to let the creatives do what they want with uh, the superhero franchises... I think Nolan's going to go wherever he feels like. Yeah. 
And I don't know if Nolan's ready to talk Catwoman or maybe try and tie movies one and three all together neatly with Talia. Or maybe try and sort of get a spiritual successor to the Joker out of Harley Quinn. Or maybe just come up with something completely different. You know what I would like to see Nolan write? I'd love to see uh, Nolan write Lockdown. Lockdown was uh, an Arkham security guard who went nuts and turned vigilante. Else? Oh, yeah. No? Yeah. I think I've heard you talk about him before. There was a whole episode in the cartoon. It was, it was an episode, but eh, I, yeah, I don't know if he could do that. I just don't think, you know, that's a that's a D-list villain at best. I, I wouldn't mind, you know, it would be fun. I doubt he'd do it just because it's so obscure and he's so new. Maybe a Hush would be an interesting villain. Hush is new? But maybe that might well, be better for Nolan. Newish. <laughs> Newish. It's had a few what? years to float around now. Just because Hush is kind of like the the anti Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Just you know you know the whole they always do that in every Batman movie they hold up a mirror to Batman so he can see you know Joker is the you know everything that Batman is not. Well, that that was a great thing about the Dark Knight was that both Joker and Two Face were sort of held up as sort of slightly different mirrors to Batman. And I like that attitude. But that's another reason why I'd almost want to see Talia back, is that Ra's al Ghul, in a lot of ways, has a sort of extremism in eliminating the excesses of modern society. And that you could see as a mirror, mirroring certain aspects of the Batman. And bringing Talia back would sort of, or bringing Talia in and sort of resurrecting the League of Shadows through her would be a great way to bring that back. I'd, I'd like to see it, but. I kind of agree with Sam with this one. Talia might be a little too obscure, and they might just go Catwoman just because there's a handful of A-rank villains you can do, and Catwoman's in there. She's one of the oldest, too. Right. Can't remember. She's no antique. Yeah. <laughs> she may be but, old, but there's there's still some versatility there, and I would love it if someone would wipe the taste out of the Halle Berry crap we had to deal with. Uh, I've just kind of I, tried to ignore them. The Michelle Pfeiffer version of Catwoman wasn't that bad. I kind of liked the way they did her. She was okay. She was okay. I, I could tolerate her. But you know what? Catwoman has yet to have a redeeming portrayal in a film. I think she's a little overdue compared to some of the others out there. I didn't, I didn't think the Michelle Pfeiffer version was that bad. I oh, no, thought no. pretty I'm good not, version. I'm not complaining she get about to her. Whip like I said, she's passable. Because <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer was passable. I'm referring to that monstrosity that Halle Berry did. Yeah, well, because she was, was atrocious, a... and you know what? That well, that, that that show they just kind of, or that movie they just kind of made shit up as they went along. There was nothing canon or DC about it. They just no, I know. they just happened to take the Catwoman name and ran from there. But and you know what? But that upsets me because it's kind of like you know what? Catwoman doesn't deserve that. <laughs> She's a great villain. She does heists. She's like your your sleek, sexy spy sort of character. And that's there's I, lots to do with that. <laughs> well, that's what I always thought would be so neat about the Poison Ivy character. Because, yeah, you're right. She's kind of the eco-terrorist. But what she also is is the temptress, you know. She sucks men in, gets them to do what they want, you know, what she wants, essentially becomes their slaves, and they don't even know what's happening. And Sucky Let Nolan does. play with that kind of thing would be interesting. I said, I would love it if Nolan just did a movie about all the sexy female villains. As would I. You want Nolan's version awesome. of Gotham For Girls? reasons than you. Yeah, give me, give me Gotham Girls. 
done by Nolan. Give me a really attractive trio, and oh, I about, should, I'd be happy. I would be the, happy. How about we get Zatanna in there and see what happens there? <laughs> Zatanna gets so much attention because this Bruce Tim has a huge crush on her. <laughs> and with good cause. She's a magician that wears a bikini. What more do you want? Well, I, I just like that he did, in fact, marry a magician. Yep. <laughs> if you're going to take obsession the full way, that's the way to do it. Like, come on. I mean, there's there's just so many fun female characters. And I, I kind of, one thing I don't like is that Nolan seems to suck at writing women. Like, it, it does bother me in some ways that this man has not perfected writing a woman. <laughs> Because okay, his uh, women Sam? are atrocious. Yes. I'm going to make this very simple. No man on this earth has ever completely understood a woman. There are men out there who can write good female characters, though. Nolan, yeah, I, I even don't then, think they never them. understand. It is impossible for us to grasp the female mind. We just can't do it. No, no I, I'm not saying grasp the female mind. I'm just saying if you look at the Batman movies, the women that have been in them, I'm looking at the Nolan ones in particular – with what's her face? Uh, I was on Dawson's Creek. Rachel. And, yes, and I just R- Rachel was atrocious. Like watching the movies, I I cringed every time they I did stuff mind. with Rachel. I didn't like Rachel. I didn't think Rachel was interesting. I didn't mind the the first Rachel and the first Batman, but in The Dark Knight, that Rachel oh. kind of annoyed me after a while. Oh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, yeah. I normally like Maggie Gyllenhaal quite a bit. I didn't care for her in that, but I think that was more due to the material than her. I think it's time. He's got to attempt it at some point if he's going to keep doing the Batman franchise. That's that's the thing. If not, he's going to like constantly be pegged by female comic book fans as sexist, which they're already doing anyways. I was going to say. Like, well, not just it's feel com- what's he trying to avoid? It's already happened. But we've got female comic book writers sort of starting to question yep. him. And God oh, yeah. bless Neil Simone them. for doing what she does. I just, I think he's ready. At this point, it's like, you know what, You've, you're at the third film, and if you're being, like, hoity-toity about who you think your new villain's going to be, pick one of the chicks. Because they're just as fun as the male ones are. Well, you know he's going to do two villains, because he always does, and I'm he sure... He always do two villains, I know that, I'm but... sure. I'm sure one of them's going to be a chick, but... Better Ooh. be... The safe bet would be Talia al Ghul just because that seems like something Nolan would pick, but I I still wonder if he might go, you know, Poison Ivy or Catwoman just because they're, you know, bigger A-rank stars. Harley Quinn! That's what I want. Not without, they, they, they'd do a Harley Quinn if they brought back the Joker, but they're not going you to. You would not bring back the Joker, ever. Yeah, who, who are you going to get to play him? I know, I know. I'm just saying. You, you wouldn't bring her back. But damn it, Harley deserves better. See, I'm sort of mad that he didn't use her in the Dark Knight. Well, he had so much. He was juggling so many balls for Dark Knight that bringing Harley know, but, in would have been one too many. Yeah, but I thought it was a bit much with the Two Face stuff. As much as like, I'm sorry, I'm one of the few people who's like Heath Ledger pff, was all about Aaron Eckhart for me. He was far superior to watch than Heath Ledger was. I like Heath Ledger. Don't get me wrong, but I had more fun watching Aaron Eckhart. Then again, Joker's not one of my favorite villains, so I think that's probably why. Well, but... I, think, I think he gets a lot of credit for the Joker just because, you know, a lot of people like me were like, I don't know if he can do the Joker. I don't know how he's going to pull this off. And he shut us all up. We're all like, 
We're sorry. Bow before you. We're sorry. Yep. No, it's true. It's true. I mean, Heath Ledger, you, you can't deny the man did an amazing job because he did. He did a phenomenal job. But, you know, as someone being a longtime Batman fan, I mean, I I was never huge on the Joker. I don't know what it was about the Joker. Like, I always loved the Joker episodes. But when it came to villains, it was always like I was like Scarecrow better. I liked Harley better. Or, you know, I, I, I'm one of the few people who you'll probably talk to who likes Catwoman. I love Catwoman. I think she's awesome. But I've always loved the style of Catwoman. And you got to admit, the woman's got a lot of class and a lot of style. So it's kind of fun when she's in an episode. Like, I love the animated series episodes with Catwoman. Some of them are really fun. Am I a shipper of Batman Catwoman? No. I never quite got that other than, yeah, they're two Dark Souls and, oh, my God, crapple up. But I would like it if Chris Nolan would attempt someone like Catwoman or even Scott said, do Talia. Because truthfully, there, there's a lot you could do with Talia. It's just she is a bit obscure. A lot of people didn't really even know who Araz al Ghul was, like when they saw the first Batman movie. Like, God bless my best friend. I, I love her to bits. She didn't know who Araz al Ghul was. <laughs> She was she was busy going, ooh, you know, Batman, ooh, Christian Bale. Even I was kind of like trying to remember vaguely who Ra's al Ghul was because it had been so long since I'd watched animated series. And I think I'm the only one who will say Ra's al Ghul is my favorite. I like Ra's al Ghul. I think he's kind of fun. Him and actually like Henri du- uh not Henri Ducard, but um, damn it, something, something Kane, the guy who... The, the current Batgirl's father. Th- those are my favorites. Alright, we gotta do a poll. Top three favorite Batman villains. Go, Jeff. And Scott, you can have your ad- last added one. <laughs> okay, I'll go Joker, Riddler, Mr. Freeze. And Mr. Freeze gets in there just because, you know, he was always, I never really liked him, but they did him so well in the animated series, it knocks him up. Absolutely. I am all for that. That's He had one of the best origin stories. It's one of the most memorable in the series. Like, I still cry every time I watch that episode because it's just so touching. And yet, you have to remember, I mean, Mr. Freeze has no humanity left. Yeah. So that one glimpse of it, yeah, it's pretty touching. He's the villain you just can't hate because you feel sorry for him. He got, he got handed a raw deal. Yep. So, Scott, who is your other pick since, you know, you have the one character who you can't remember their name and, you know, Raz al Ghul, who's like your bro? I would have to say, hmm, I did like Hush. I loved, I did like the Hush comics. I'm going to say Hush. There we go. And I think I'm the only one who hadn't had a third pick, right? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, okay. Easy peasy. My other favorite is probably Two Face. Like I've always been like a Harley girl, but Two Face was kind of one of my first little crushes as a child. <laughs> so RV Den, I mean, he had an amazing story, and like his relationship with Batman before he became Two Face was just one of my favorite things to watch because they were almost like brothers. It's kind of neat. Just how they treated each other. So I've always I've always had a soft spot for Two Face. Scarecrow just gave me nightmares. That's why he kind of is around there. 
And I'd probably put Two-Face actually just above Scarecrow. So Scarecrow would probably be my actual third in order. But Har- Harley beats everybody for me. So I can spawn her for hours, which I already did. Okay. I'm done asking questions now. <laughs> uh, Is there anything else, Scott? I think we're done for the night. Good night, everyone. Uh, I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Please don't agree on comments license. Check out our website at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. Check us out on Twitter at sbopodcast. Or our Facebook page at I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Or kick me an email at sbopodcast at gmail.com. That was abrupt. Mm-hmm.